1 Thessalonians. I have yet to stick to the time that we allot for Sunday school, but uh, I have a touch of food poisoning myself, which I don't think it's something somebody did to me. I think it's me eating things I shouldn't. Uh, so we'll be experiencing quick bursts of sermons today, Lord willing, um, as we go through this. But I, if you're still there in Psalm 119, it is providentially overwhelming at times to see how the Lord stitches together teachings between men. And at verse 81, the writer says, but I hope. Verse 83, he says, yet do I not forget. Verse 87, but I forsook not thy precepts. And the title I've given the Sunday school lesson is Hold Fast, Beloved. My heart must have been in the same place yours was. Studying the same book, as they say. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 22, says, Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And this evil, this word here, is also a translated evil one, if we were to do a direct translation of it. So it is literally saying, abstain from all appearances of the devil. Abstain from all appearances of the liar, the murderer, the accuser. And we know him well. We're fallen. We've given over to temptation time and time again. The writer here, Paul says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Would he tell us to do that which is impossible? We read this morning that the psalmist found it to be possible, that he held fast to the things which were good, to the things which he had been taught. We know that Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus and tells them the same thing. Remember that which you've been taught. Remember the way in which you've been instructed. In this text, we have quite a few solid admonitions. And even though it's three verses, uh, well, four verses, verse 19, 20, 21, and 22, there's a very short amount of words that lay all this out. Paul's very direct in, in what he's written here. And the remainder of our days as born-again believers will be filled with trying to keep up with this short amount of words. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And abstain from all appearances of evil. I've written a lot of lessons on the latter part, the abstain from all appearances of evil. We'll have our hands full in 2023 trying to avoid the appearances of the devil. Because he is throughout this life. He is in our media. He is in our movies. He is in our homes where he should not be. He is in our minds. He is in our pockets. He's in our pocketbooks. But today I want to focus on proving all things and holding fast to that which is good. The phrase hold fast simply means to keep the course. To cling tight to as well as to keep in remembrance. And if I were to tell you that that this membership like a ship, like a boat, like a vessel, was to hold her heading. I would simply be telling you to be mindful of where we are going, to steer steadily toward that direction, and to not be distracted or stop for any reason. Our lives could depend on it. Our testimonies could depend on it. The life of this church, this vessel, I don't know how many have been listening to the, the messages coming out of Brother Troy's meeting where Brother Thorne is and uh, where many of our friends are. I know I've listened to quite a few of the messages, especially Brother Hilly's and Brother Pierce's, and their mindsets are in the same place mine have been. Our churches are losing sight of what we've been called to hold fast to. We are given over to the persuasion of pride and the appearances of the devil. We are given over to the idea that we must be known no, He must be known. That's the calling of the church. 
Jesus gave this same direction to the churches through Brother John as our witness in Revelation chapter 2, verse 25. That which ye have already, hold fast till I come. We may be very, very close to His coming, but as we just heard in Psalm 119 and, and Brother Charlie's uh, uh, explanation of it, we have not been tried, really. Those days may be coming. The days in which our trials begin to prove us like gold through the refiner's fire. I think Brother Tate was the one who, uh, this weekend in, in his message, talked about uh, the refining of gold. And the, and the desire of the refiner was to be able to see his own reflection. It wasn't purified until he could see his own reflection. And beloved, that is exactly what the Lord intends to do with each and every one of His elect. His requirement is to see His reflection. For us to be holy for He is holy. If He cannot see Himself in you, then you're not there yet. If He can't see Himself in me, I'm not there yet. But I am required to hold fast until He comes. Hold fast through the trials which might be ahead. There's only two points to this in my desire to abide by the time limit. We are, or what we are to hold fast to, and how is it that it might slip away? What we are to hold fast to. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, looking at verses 12 through 14. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, Paul says. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then he says, Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. How do we hold fast? By faith and in love. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep. And that word keep doesn't mean you're keeping your salvation. This word keep literally means observe. Make note of it. Make sure you're aware of it. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep or observe by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Sound or wholesome words have been laid out in the form of the gospel for the elect of God. We are to hold fast to them. Hebrews 10.35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Paul was encouraging young Timothy in the instruction and leadership that was required of him as a leader of the church. What was his great counsel? Hold fast to the words of our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Do not lose your confidence. Do not lose your faith or your love in those words. Hold fast, beloved. Keep tight. Guide the ship by what it is you have been given. You see, in the season in which we receive good and wholesome knowledge or it has been revealed unto us, we need to mark it. We need to keep it. We need to observe it because it will be what guides our rudder through the storms that are ahead. Hold fast to the words of our cornerstone. Observe them or keep them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 3, 6 Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope. It was also said in Brother Troy's meeting that uh, without joy, without hope, and it's, it's tandem to love. And I think, again, it was Tate. I must like him. He said, without love, we won't know joy. Without love, we won't have hope. We must hold fast 
to love. We must hold fast to it even when our own flesh gets in the way of it. We must hold fast to love. This same gospel gives way to an exuberant confidence, that same exuberant confidence we talked about in Caldwell. And we saw that in Peter's writing in chapter 2, verses, uh, or chapter 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. He called for us to do that, to give diligence, to make it sure. And do you know what we should do when we've made it sure, when we've proven it, when we're absolutely certain of it? Hold fast to it. (laughs) Trials are coming. We can have a no-so salvation. We can be confident in His deliverance. For if you do these things, He goes on there, ye shall never fail. Hebrews chapter 4, we read, Hold fast our profession, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He ever liveth to make intercession for the elect, granting unto us eternal rest, when we truly deserve, what we truly deserve is everlasting torment. Hebrews chapter 8, or chapter 4, verses 8 through 14. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, For he is faithful that promised. Hold fast, beloved, that precious course he set us on without wavering. Storm shall blow, wind shall rage against us, but he is able. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Think again about this membership as a ship. I don't know how many of us have spent a lot of time in in vessels or ships, specifically out maybe in a a lake where you can't see the coast or in the ocean where you can't see the coast. But you have to know the direction you're hoping to hold when you can't see the coast, when you can't see any landmarks in which to guide ourselves. This season where we've been spoiled, we like to use the phrase landmark because we can look for things that we recognize to be Baptist distinctives or Baptistic or whatever it might be and say, Those are our people, or that's the truth, and I recognize it. But it could be the trials that he referenced, the trials that lie ahead, might be ones in which we can't see the coastline. They might be such trials in which we aren't uh, at liberty to see landmarks to guide ourselves back home. We have to hold fast to these things that we have laid out, because these things have meticulously been laid out with the utmost importance. They're going to be required. I don't know how many love to read fiction. I love fiction stories in just about every format. And there's a type of writing a fiction story in which it's usually referred to as a journey, if I I remember right. And usually the main character kind of runs into a lot of elements in the beginning that have no value. And then suddenly they have value after he's begun the journey, He realizes what it's for. This book might bore you today. There might be chapters in here that put you to sleep. Keep reading. Keep reading. Hold fast, beloved. Because the day might come when the light bulb turns on and you say, that's why I needed that. That's what that was for. That's uh, the intention. I mean, we're studying right now Joseph for 20 years Certainly every day you could have got up and said, what is this for? What is this trial for? 
And yet Joseph never seemingly failed to give God the glory every time he had an opportunity. That wasn't because the prison reminded him to give God the glory. That wasn't because Potiphar said, psst, give God the glory. That was because Joseph held fast to something. That was because Joseph's sights were set beyond those prison walls, beyond Potiphar's walls, beyond his trials, beyond the conflict of his brethren. He was guided. He was steered by something bigger. And even on these Sundays when we sing songs and it's basically a quartet, we cannot be discouraged. We are still here. We still have work to do. Secondly, how is it that it might slip away? This that we've been called to hold fast to, how is it that it might slip away? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, and, and a lot of what we've read already comes out of Hebrews. I apologize, I probably should have had you go that way already. <clears throat> but we read starting in verse 36. Well, let's start in 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience. This word is also translated endurance. You have great need of endurance. Boy, that changes things a little bit. When we, I don't know about y'all, but when I hear I have great need of patience, I think of my children just about every time. <laughs> or the frustration of my family who still celebrates Christmas in December. Or the frustration of when I'm wrong but think I'm right in a battle with my wife. That's when I think of patience. But this word is talking about endurance. It's certainly not referencing my battles with my wife. It's referencing some long game that lie ahead or maybe that we're just beginning or maybe that we're in the middle of, maybe even nearing the end of. You have need of endurance. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That means that whatever trial we need the endurance for is the will of God. It's all right there in one verse, that verse 36. Verse 37, for yet a little while, and he that come will come and will not tarry. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are not to be of the drawback persuasion. The trials in Ukraine, the trials in Israel, Russia's at the door now, by the way. Uh, I know we're used to having... Uh, uh, current news, worldly news in this time. So I want to make sure you hear that. That came straight from Brother Thorne. He gave me the update. Israel has Russia at the door. Everything that we have been talking about, everything that we've been teaching, everything the Bible has warned us of, we could be that generation that has been designed with the very purpose of giving the gospel one last time. Yeah, I know I could have said it differently. This is the end. Oh, what are we going to do? But the truth is, if this is the end, we are the generation that was specifically designed for this moment, just like Esther, to give the gospel one last time. That's an honor. That's a privilege. We are not to be of the drawback persuasion. We are not to be as the unfaithful steward. We should desire that Christ Jesus finds pleasure in us, at least as much as possible. Consider Jacob. Again, we're looking at uh, how it is that this stuff that we're to hold fast to might slip away. Consider Jacob. And I know I'm jumping ahead. 
Half the room doesn't know it. But on Wednesday, we'll be looking at these same verses. Turn to Genesis chapter 42. And if you don't like spoilers, I guess you could leave the room, but you're going to miss this message too. Genesis 42, verses 35 through 36. And it came to pass. Now this is right after what we taught on Wednesday. And it came to pass as they emptied their sacks. These are Jacob's sons. All but Benjamin who stayed at home and Joseph who still lived in Egypt. They emptied their sacks. That behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Now remember the, the brothers already saw it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And Jacob their father said unto them, uh, let, me, let me look in the actual Bible because apparently my, my quoting here messed up. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. Remember, Joseph kept him back. And ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. How is it that what we've been called to hold fast to could slip away? Remember who Jacob is? Israel. Jacob is a living testimony to that age that God is with him. That's who he is. And when the Shechemite thing happened, oh, woe is me. You've brought harm upon our family. They outnumber us. Surely they will come and crush us. And even here, all these things are against me. How will what we are called to hold fast to slip away? And we are called to hold fast to it in faith and in love. It will slip away when we have no love and we are losing faith. When our confidence is shaken and not rooted in the Word of God. Listen to what James Smith writes here. And James Smith was a predecessor to Charles Spurgeon. What things are against Jacob? These losses, crosses, bereavements, persecutions, sorrows, and sicknesses against you? Never. They are not against you unless they lead you into sin, bind you faster to this world, alienate your mind from God, and prevent your being useful in your day and generation. They cannot be against you if they wean you from the earth, if they lead you to God, if they endear the Savior, if they render the Bible more valuable and make you long for home. They can't be against you if they do that. He goes on, You forget that they come according to the arrangements of a gracious providence and that your heavenly Father sent them for your good. Leave off complaining, for it springs from ignorance of God's word or forgetfulness of your many mercies and sins or from unbelief and a bad temper. And it reflects upon the love, care, and kindness of your God. These things are painful, trying, and perplexing these things that Jacob's going through but they are intended to do him good and while you are complaining they are working together under divine direction for your present and everlasting welfare beloved how apt we are to mistake the design of our trials how is it that these things will slip away when we lose sight of the fact that God is in control of all things when we lose sight of the fact that He designed everything meticulously. That's right. When we lose sight of the fact that these trials, these temptings, these crosses, losses, and bereavements, and so on and so on, are for our good according to His will. 
But when we hold fast to all these things that we've aforementioned, we see that, don't we? We see the providence of God. We see His handiwork. We don't understand it. But we can trust and believe that He is in control. And it must be for our good. Do you recall what is happening at this point in Genesis with Jacob? Joseph is about to be revealed as the cruel old Egyptian ruler holding Simeon. Jacob's fretting. I've lost Simeon. I've lost Joseph. They're both together. In fact, Jacob's response was triggered by the fact that what these sons were sent to spend was returned unto them. And in verse 28 that we closed with on Wednesday, when those boys saw that money, they said, what is this that God hath done unto us? It was almost as though they said, God's going to use this. What is he doing? What's he going to reveal? For Jacob, an impossible family reunion was on the horizon. All these things are against me, Jacob said. You know, somebody in Egypt should have said, are you kidding me? This is all working out for you. We are all going through a famine like we've never seen before. And it's for you. It's for you, Israel. And you say all these things are against me. The same thing is happening on the other side of the planet right now. As we fret and we concern ourselves and we should pray for Israel. Sometimes we pray for them and we forget whose hand has not wavered in holding these enemies at bay for thousands of years. That wall's not coming down. What they're going through, He has ordained. Now, I'm not saying they deserve it any more than we do, but they will not be made to suffer more than He has designed for them to suffer. For Jacob and his family, they were going to live when just verses before they were only going to know certain death from the great famine. Not from Joseph, not from Egypt, but from God. What catastrophes are we cumbered with this hour, beloved? Are they for our good? Who might be watching as we suffer? The blessings of God are not merely tangible things, but spiritual things. They do not perish, but are everlasting. Think of Job. When we talk about how we haven't suffered yet, all I can think is just about every generation could still look at Job and say, we haven't even begun to suffer. We haven't even begun. Revelation 3.11, here's where we'll close. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. And in his instruction he says, Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. He's not saying, hold on to your 401ks. Let no one take your retirement. He's not even saying, hold on to that precious baby. He's saying, hold fast to that which throughout this book I have commanded you to hold fast to. Hold fast because you have it, elective God. Hold fast because it has been given to you. It has been entrusted to you. Hold fast because it has an intended purpose. You will find its usefulness soon. Let no man take thy crown. The crown reference there, we won't have time to chase the text, but the crown reference there is given to the overcomer. Will we overcome? And it's not outside forces. It's ourselves. The second point here is how will it slip away and it's all on us. Jacob says this is all against me, but it was Jacob's to give up, was it not? 
It was Jacob forfeiting the blessings of God saying, it's all against me. It's all against me. Beloved, do not surrender that which you have been given. If salvation is secure, and it is, and Christ says we cannot be lost, and He does, then what He has given us, what He has entrusted us with, is also not going to be lost. Sell it not. Do not count it forfeit. The days ahead may be challenging. We will not be lost. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to preach and teach Your Word. We're thankful, Father, that... Uh, Brother Jerry made it safely to Texas. Brother Thorne made it safely to Florida. Sister Susie made it safely to, I believe, California, Father. And we just pray, Lord, you bring us all back together. Selfishly, I pray you bring Jerry back too, but I know that your will is bigger than mine and more important than mine, Father. And we just pray for his safety. We pray, Lord, that you heal him from the food poisoning. Would you be with Brother Thorne and Sister Thorne as they travel back home? We long to have more fellowship with them. We pray ahead, Father, for the meeting this coming weekend in Silsby. We pray for those who will be traveling to that. Uh, we know the Wyckoffs are planning to go. The Hodges are planning to go. We just pray, Lord, for a good time of fellowship. Be with those preachers. Give them the messages that your people need to hear. Be with us this day in the remaining messages and songs, Lord, that we would honor and glorify you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.